Hey, today we start a new series called Radically Normal. I'm uh, pretty excited about this. If you had to choose um, one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? Uh, it might be God, Lord, Savior, healer, teacher, uh, leader, whatever. But a word that you and I probably rarely um, use, but it's every bit as fitting, is the word radical. Okay. Now, this word, it's been hijacked by our culture. I mean, the 80s had a lot of fun with the word radical, with the hairdos and the parachute pants. How many of you wore parachute pants? Don't, don't be ashamed. Yeah, right here, right here. Uh, I'm going to stop right there with all the ways we dress in the 80s. But you know what? You think of uh, the 80s, you think of sports fans. How many radical Georgia fans are we going to have tomorrow night? Yeah, not, not, uh, yeah, not, yeah, I know. How many radical Alabama fans? Yeah. <laughs> Is there one back there? Yeah, but, but one. Hey, everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. <laughs> All right. Now, you think of sports fans. You think of political figures. Uh, you think of um, even terrorists when you, when you hear the word radical. When Jesus came on the scene over 2,000 years ago, he was looked at as a radical. Now, I want you to think about Jesus. I want you, if you, if you spend any time in the Gospels, if you've been walking with the Lord at any time at all, I want you to think about the way Jesus ministered. I want you to think about the way he, he loved the unlovely. He reached out to people that nobody else wanted anything to do with. Society, culture, the, the, the religious had given up on them, and he loved them. And not only loved them, he would eat with them. He would go into their homes. Man, he, he loved and served in such a way that really turned the social order of things upside down. And, man, and religious people looked at him and hated him because he would talk about God in such a way that was personal, even calling him father. And you know what? The world took notice of that. And I don't, I don't mean just the, the world. I'm talking about those around him, those in his community. Man, they noticed, hey, there is something about this religious figure. They didn't know he was a Christ. Matter of fact, when he claimed to be Christ, they, they chose to kill him. But man, he caught the attention of the whole world. Now, now here's a sad truth. Throughout the years, throughout the, 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 the centuries, Christians have taken this radical Jesus, and somehow or another we've, we've tamed him a little bit. And when I say tamed him, made him more culturally, um, looks more like the rest of us. Matter of fact, we've sort of made him ordinary and maybe boring. And I want to say this morning, as we start this new series in, in 2022, Jesus is anything but ordinary and boring. So here's radical. The definition of radical is this. It's different. It's far-reaching. It's out of the ordinary. It's extreme. Man, that is Jesus. He, he is different, far-reaching, out of the ordinary. He's extreme. He was all these things. His mission to save, his message of, of love, his ministry of hope. Man, that was all radical and still is. Now, I challenge you to hear this, not with your ears, but with your soul. Here's my prayer, like for, from this message today, that you'll know this, that Jesus is calling us to live in, in such a way where, where radical is normal. Man, that we're loving in such a way that's radical to the church, and we're serving in such a way that is radical, I mean, not to the church, but to the world, that we're loving people that are unlovely, and we're sharing Christ. That it is radical to the world, but it's, it becomes normal for us. I want to challenge us to, to break free from a ho-hum, ordinary, Western church mindset 
And let's become radically normal in our faith, man, in our hospitality, in our generosity, in the way we love, and also in the way we forgive. So today we're going to start this series, and I want to begin with a radically normal faith. Let's talk about what this looks like. Man, Jesus tells us, shares a statement in John 14, 12, and I've been reading this statement. I've been walking with Jesus now uh, 32, 33 years, and he says this in John 14, 12. He says this, I tell you the truth. Listen to these words. Anyone who believes in me, anyone, anyone. You know what? There's a, this room is full of anyone. There's, the online is full of anyone's watching. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done. Now listen to what he says. And even greater works. And he says, because I'm going to go and be with the Father. And we know when he goes to be with the Father, he sends his spirit down to us. He says, I'm telling you, anyone who believes in me will do the same thing and even greater things. Church, even greater things. Now, let's be honest. That can be scary. And let's be honest. There's things that scare us, right? Some of you are, you're, some of you are afraid of, like, roller coasters. How many of you are afraid of roller coasters? You're, you're just scared of them, all right? Or, or maybe you're afraid of snakes. How many of you are afraid of snakes? Yes, amen. Airplanes, movies, the dark, and praying out loud. Don't raise your hand. But, man, if I was to ask you to pray out loud, some of you would pass out. I grew up in a church where the pastor would just, at the end of the service, he would just call on people to, to pray. I'm a brand new believer. I'm sitting there. I'm 19 years old, and I'm sitting there beside my best friend Brad, and he, the preacher said, I'm going to ask Scott, and he said, Ford to pray. I thought he said, Scott, more to pray. And, and no lie, and, and I'm not over, I didn't have a microphone, but oh, no lie, I went, Ugh! That just like that, and I couldn't breathe, and I'm, and I'm doing like this, and my buddy's like, what's wrong with you? And then I heard the other guy praying, and I just fell asleep in the pew right then and there, you know. But listen, certain things scare us. But one of the things that scares us, probably that a lot of us, is when God calls us out of our comfort zone, and he calls us to take a step of faith. I'm up here today, and I wish I could tell you all the thoughts that have gone through my head for me to be able to step up here and preach to you today. People think, well, Scott, you're a pastor. You just do this stuff, and it's just second nature. No, no, no. It is second nature. My first nature is to run the other way. Second nature, the new nature, says I'm going to trust you, Jesus. Man, when you are called to t take that step of faith, and maybe you hear it in here, you hear it in a growth group or a step study, whatever it may be, and maybe you hear things like, hey, you need to, we need to witness to our friends, we need to pray for our ones, we need to invite our ones to church, or maybe the step of faith is giving, or maybe the step of faith is, is stepping up to serve, or maybe the step of faith is going to celebrate recovery, or, or maybe it's some kind of sacrifice or some kind of obedience or, or some kind of commitment. But when we feel this leading, it's almost always followed by fear. And then all of a sudden, when we think about, hey, I'm going to take this step of faith that, that Jesus is calling me to do, we have thoughts like this, what will people think? Or, or what if I fail? Or maybe you sign up to lead a growth group, what if no one shows up? Or, or, or maybe it's like, hey, how will we pay our bills if I start giving to the church? I don't know how this is going to happen. Almost every time God calls us to a step of faith, man, fear is whispering in the ear. Almost always. Fear does not just lead us to doing nothing. Fear can lead us into disobedience. 
Church, understand this. It's, It's greater than just fear. It's more than just being afraid. Man, it can lead us not just into doing nothing, but it can lead us into disobedience. And then we settle back into a world of just ho-hum screens and remotes and, hey, Siri, you know, we we go back into that kind of world. And you know what? Just as the world took notice of Jesus and his faith and his love for God and, and man, man, the world takes notice when the church doesn't look like Jesus. I'll never forget it. This was third or fourth grade, and, and we, had a, we used to have a class called social studies. I don't even know if they have social studies anymore, but I'll never forget. So if I was in third or fourth grade, this is the 1970s. I was in third or fourth grade. So the picture probably came out of the 60s, but it showed hippies holding up this poster. It was a big rally or protest or whatever hippies did, and they didn't have shirts on, you know, but they're holding up this, and the sign said, Jesus, yes, church, no. Now listen. I have forgotten a lot about third and fourth grade. But one thing I remember that stuck in my head is someone holding up a poster that said, Jesus, yes, church, no. For some reason, they rejected the church. They wanted to accept Jesus as far as who he was, his teaching. They liked him, but they rejected the church. Man, we can be a church, and we talked about this in the Revelation series, that can get lulled into being asleep instead of being a church that acts on what we believe. I believe, I I believe this. Now, I do believe that hostility towards Christianity is growing, but I believe the church can be what the world's been looking for in the sense that they want to see somebody who takes steps of faith and loves and lives like Jesus did. So here's, here's my prayer. I, I want us to live out our faith. I want us to look like Jesus. I'm hoping that we wake up to a faith that is radical. I, I don't want you to leave here the same. And if you leave here the same today, I'm not going to consider myself a failure because I was obedient to God. But I'm going to be disappointed. I want us all to take whatever step of faith he's calling us to do. And I believe this. I want us to wake up to a faith that's radical where everyone can't help but take notice of this faith that we have in Jesus. And you know what I'm hoping and praying? That it'll turn Mansfield upside down. I'm hoping and praying it'll turn Covington, Madison. I'm hoping it'll turn Rutledge, Rockdale, uh, Jasper. I'm hoping it'll turn the world upside down because we're going to trust Jesus enough to do what he asks us to do. So here's what we need to go forward with. Radically normal faith should be the mark of followers of Jesus. Radically normal. Now, I know what you're thinking. Man, I don't know if I can do that. Radically normal faith should be the mark of Jesus. We are called to live lives that are marked by steps of faith. Man, that that should be the number one identification of who we are. Now, you may be thinking this. I don't have a lot of faith. You, You may be thinking, you know, I don't have a lot. But here's the good news. It doesn't take a lot of faith. Many of you probably remember the story where, where Jesus uh, was with the disciples, and um, he told the disciples, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. He says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Now listen to this next line. Nothing would be impossible. 
with faith that I could hide between my two fingertips. Man, God is saying nothing would be impossible. Man, if you don't feel like you have enough faith, listen, it doesn't take much. Nothing would be impossible for just a pinch of faith. What if you and I lived like that? What if in our homes we, we lived like that? What, what if we said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be a, a godly wife. I, I'm going to, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a godly husband. I'm going to raise my, raise my kids in the Lord. Or, or I'm going to be a witness at work. Or I'm going to be a, a witness in the neighborhood. Or I'm going to step up and, and, and serve or, or lead at church. What, whatever it may be. I'm going to start giving. What, whatever it may be for you. Man, what if we believed that it only took a little bit of faith to turn our world upside down? Well, how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we overcome the fears and, and the lies where this can happen? The Gospel of Matthew uh, records an account where, where Peter's walking on water. They had just had this incredible ministry day, and they fed 5,000 people. Well, really, probably more like twelve to 15,000 people when you count the, the wives and, and, and the kids. And then Jesus wanted to be by himself, and I totally get that. You know, he's been around like thousands of people, and, you know, sometimes I've been around three people. I just want to be by myself, you know. And he's been around thousands of people, and he's probably tired, and what he wants to do is spend time with the Father. He wants to spend time in prayer, and he tells the disciples to go ahead and get in the boat. Well, they get caught up in a storm, and the waves are big, and Jesus is walking on the water. So let's pick up radically normal faith is when I get out of my boat. The disciples are in the boat, and the, state, the storm is big, and radically normal faith is when I get out of my boat. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! That is a common, natural response. Wouldn't you agree? You're out on Jackson Lake, it's 3 in the morning, and somebody comes walking up to you on the water. You're thinking, man, this is a crazy place down here at Jackson Lake. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. You hear what Peter just said? Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Now, this isn't, you know, this isn't a serene pond. And there are waves. We've got to get out of our boat. Jesus is calling us to get out of our boat. But you know what? We, we, we Scott Moore, loves safety. I can be a safety freak. And each and every one of us, we all have that boat in our life that we don't want to get out of, whether it's safety or, or it's comfort. For some of you today, and maybe getting down to your boat was coming to church this morning. Man, it's so far out of your comfort zone. You, you're, you, you don't like crowds, and especially with Omicron going on. Man, for some of you today, maybe it was getting out of just coming to church. For some of you, it's no big deal. Man, you've been coming to church since you were six months old. Maybe serving in ministry is, is out of your comfort zone or getting in a growth group or, or sharing your faith or going on a mission trip or, or begin tithing or, or, or fostering kids or adoption. Those kind of things 
or out of your comfort zone. Do you know what I have become at age 53? And I know you're thinking, he doesn't look 53. Thank you. I've become an expert at avoiding discomfort. I do not want to be uncomfortable. I've become an expert at it. And maybe some of you, if your life is marked by always feeling comfortable and safe, I say this because I love you. If our lives are always marked by feeling comfortable and safe, there's a good chance we're not following Jesus. We believe in Him. But I'm going to tell you where Jesus is. He's already outside the boat. He's out there in the storms of life. And you know what He's doing? He's calling us to join Him. And I want you to know this. Jesus, He isn't safe. He will save you. And you'll spend eternity with Him forever in heaven. But He's not safe. One of my favorite novels is Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. And in there, if you know this or you've seen the movie, Aslan is the lion. He's the great lion. He represents Christ. And you got little Susan, and she wants to meet Aslan. But she didn't realize he was a lion. She thought he was a man. It says this, Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. And she asked this question, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Jesus isn't safe, but he's good. Man, you can go to Hebrews and you can read about the the Hall of Fame and you see all these people that had faith in God. And the first half is they did all these great things for God. And the second half, you'd read about people who were burned at the stake and they were sawed in half. And listen, we're going to get to heaven one day and and we're going to meet people, masses of men, women, students, and children who who, who were tortured because of their faith. And they're, they're going to tell you, no, Jesus wasn't safe, but he was good. And you know what? It was worth being sawed in half. It it was worth losing my life. It was worth being thrown in jail. It was worth uh, being burned at the stake. Man, we're going to be surrounded by people that's got out of the boat. And they'll tell you straight up, hey, no, it wasn't safe, but he's good. And man, he's worth it. No, today, man, Jesus is still calling for that kind of faith. He's still calling for men, women, and students who who will get out of the comfort zone and get out of the boat and taste His goodness. And in order to be closer to Jesus, to experience that goodness of Jesus, to see greater things that He's talking about, we have to to take a step of faith. Because Jesus is out of the boat. And that's where he's calling us. And if we want to be close to Jesus, we've got to get out of the boat. But we love our boat. Listen, I love my boats. I, I love it. I, I love money. I love comfort. My, my flesh wants convenience. I want ease. I, I want safety. But you know what else I want in my spirit? 
And I believe this is true of you. And you want to be this. Man, you want to be this person that, that steps out of the boat. You don't want to be like the 11 that stayed in the boat. You want to be like Peter who got out of the boat. And you want to do it consistently. Man, radical faith is obeying Jesus even in the storm. Radically normal faith leads me closer to Jesus. Verse 29 says this. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. What are the other disciples doing? Are they rubbing their eyes? Are they still wondering? Are they trying to get, Peter, Peter what are you doing? We're all drunk, apparently. Well, I, mean, well, I mean, apparently something's not right, Peter. I mean, one got out of the boat. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. He got out of the boat. A lot of people give Peter grief for taking his eyes off Jesus. Hey, he got out of the boat. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And then Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Man, in the midst of storms, in the midst of um, going through these COVID, man, losing loved ones, those are times we need to share our faith or trust God in the storm. You know what we all want to know when times are hard? That Jesus is close. We want to feel his presence. You know the number one prayer I hear when, when people are struggling or sick or they're going through grief? I always hear this, and I'll do it or other people. Lord, let them feel your presence. Lord, let them know that you're close. When we step out in faith that leads us to Jesus because Jesus is in the storm Peter experiences Jesus' power to walk supernaturally on the water and the power to save him when he took his eyes off Jesus Jesus is God he's Lord he's, he's master he's Savior and he's bigger than the storm you might be going through He's bigger than your fears. He's bigger than your doubts. He's bigger than your failures. And maybe you've taken your eyes off Jesus. Maybe you, you used to be one of these, we'll call them water walkers, these faith walkers, but someone that normally just stepped out every time Jesus made a, an invitation to take a greater step of faith. Maybe you've taken your eyes off of Him. He still reaches out to us. And He pulls us up. Here's the secret of stepping out in faith. The secret of stepping out in faith and doing the impossible is simply to believe the Word of God and to keep looking to the Son of God. And so for some of you today, here's the decision you're probably already going to make. You know what? I'm going to put my eyes back on Jesus. I'm going to put my eyes back on Jesus. And here's the truth. We all struggle with fear. Most of you know Cage. He's our son. He had brain surgery. Um, a year and a half ago, and Lord willing, he's going to have brain surgery again this summer. And you know what? Um, are we struggling with fear? Did we struggle with it last time? Yes. Are we going to struggle with it again this time? Yes. But faith is not trusting that God will heal him. But faith is trusting that God can, and no matter what happens, God will equip us and comfort us, and empower us for the next phase, whatever it may be when we come out of the hospital. 
Now, a lot of times people will say, Scott, how do y'all do that? It's a pastor thing, right? Because you're a pastor. You get like pockets full of, of faith just immediately. No, I have little faith. I could probably share my pinch of faith. with, with Probably I've already have. It's so small. And that's one thing I'm praying for more of. But I'll tell you how we do it, and it's the same because we're not the only person in this church that's fostered in adoption is just an example. We're not the only people that's done that. But I'll tell you how we're able to step out in faith with this surgery coming up, potentially. It's because we've taken millions of smaller steps of faith along the way. We trusted in Jesus for salvation. That was before I even met Tracy and found out how much she loved to have kids, you know. <laughs> I trust him for salvation. I, I remember in that church, they needed somebody to usher. Y'all, I'm an introvert. And they put a basket in my hand to stand up in front of the people and pass it. But you know, I stood up in faith and, and I served like that. And, and when the church needed whatever, I, I stood up and served. I've stacked chairs and I've done all these little things. And then God called me to preach and I really wanted to be like Jonah and run the other way. But one little piece of faith built on another piece of obedience built on another piece of obedience. All of a sudden, you're seeing yourself do things you would never imagine yourself doing. When I said I do to Tracy, I didn't know how big of a term paper that was. I didn't realize all that was going to encompass all that Jesus was going to do. She was just pretty and sweet and smart, brilliant, brilliant mind, brilliant mind, brilliant mind. Right, ladies, you have a brilliant mind. But if we don't tell you you're pretty, then we're in trouble for that too, right? Right. And know those genes don't make you look fat, ever. When you say yes to Jesus, He enables you to do more than you can ever imagine. That day, Peter walked on water. I guarantee you, Peter didn't wake up that morning and on his to-do list was walk on water. That wasn't on his to-do list. But you know what he did years before that? He said yes to Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. He said, I'll follow you. Later on, he said, pass out bread, pass out fish. Peter passed out bread, and he passed out fish, and he saw what Jesus did with just an act of service. Sometimes we think just handing a bulletin, somebody's just handing a bulletin, and now you're changing somebody's world if it's an act of faith. Man, if you're greeting somebody at the door, it's just not a greeting. Man, you're including somebody into the body of Christ, and you belong here, you're welcome here. Because of Peter's faith, Jesus did more than Peter could ever imagine. And Peter had a testimony about Jesus that was unique to Peter. And I want to say this. You have a testimony about Jesus that is unique to you. And it is growing and it is changing. And listen, I hope that we get to the end of our lives and we're 90 years old or, or maybe older and we're laying in bed and, and we sit there amazed at all Jesus did through little acts of faith. Radically normal faith. So radically normal faith, it leads us closer to Jesus, but radically normal faith also causes us to worship. Look at verse 32. When Jesus and Peter climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Listen to this next statement. Then the disciples worshipped him. 
Can you imagine what they experienced? Can you imagine being in that boat and they just saw all that they saw? Jesus walking the water. Granted, they, this is, that was a new one for him, but if anybody could do it, it was Jesus. And then Peter, Jesus called him out. He's walking on water. And they climb into the boat and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. And I bet they did. But especially Peter. Especially Peter. And this, this past week, we wrapped up our Better Man group. Our Better Man group is, a, is, a, is a, a group of men that meet, you know, for about 10 or 12 weeks. And we wrapped it up. And I facilitated most of those lessons. But this last lesson, there was no material. And I'm partnering with Dalton Knox. And, and we're doing this together. And so I don't know how to wrap it up. There's not a lesson there. And I've never wrapped up. This is Dalton's fourth time. He's a great man, not just a better man. He's a great man. And... Uh, Man, it's like, I, I call him, I said, look, I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know how to wrap this up. You've been through it. I want you to wrap it up, you know. And, and uh, he did, and it was amazing. I got in my car outside of Bread and Butter, and I sat in my car, and I was like, man, that was incredible. I'm like, God, that, that was amazing. God, I am so excited. I am so stoked about what you did and the fruit that's coming out of that one meeting and then the culmination of it, yes, but that one meeting and some of the decisions that were made. I was stoked, but let me be real honest. When I called Dalton that morning, I didn't want to call Dalton. You know why? Because I'm a control freak. I wanted to lead that last meeting. But I knew in my spirit I wasn't supposed to. And so Dalton did. My step of faith was to let Dalton do it. And Dalton's step of faith was to lead it. And now that group's going to multiply maybe three or four times. Unbelievable. And I was worshiping God. Radically normal faith leads us to deeper, more meaningful, in the heart, soul, worship. Because we've seen Jesus, and we've seen him work. We've experienced him out in the storm for for who he is and and what he's done. And I want to tell you, it's great to come in here and see words on the screen, but it's great to come in here and see words on the screen that resonate with what you have already seen Jesus do. God wants you to worship, not just based on the truth on the screen, because you have experienced that truth in your life because you got out of the boat. Now, I can't tell you exactly what step of faith Jesus is calling you to do, but you know it. I mean, you know it. Jesus has a way of just silently knocking. He doesn't get a, a log and knock in the door. He just silently knocks on your heart. Nobody else hears it. But you, I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you there is one. And I can tell you this, there's waves of fear and doubt. But I'm telling you this, Jesus is saying, come to me. Get out of the boat. Trust me. Come to me. What if we actually believe this verse, verse John 14, 12? I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I want to invite the band to come on out. And while they're coming on out, um, 
What if you and I started a faith journey today? Again, I don't know what it is, but what if you said yes? And we're going to sing this song, and, and listen, it is about faith, but what if you today decided, I'm going to take that step of faith. You're going to get out of your boat, and, and you're going to start a journey of faith that is radical, but, but normal. Where are you? Where are you? I'm going to tell you what it does. It starts with trusting Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father God, we come to you right now. And Father, I, I, I want myself, I want my brothers and sisters in this room, I want those online, God. I want us to be known as people that live this radically normal faith, whether it's radical to the world, that they're going to take notice and it's going to turn our neighborhoods and our towns and upside down. But Father, where it's normal for us, Father, grant us that kind of faith. Father, if some of us in the room only have mustard seed faith, I pray you double that. And Father, if some of us in the room have a handful of faith, Father, I pray you double that. Father, give us bold faith. That results, Father, in action. Father, may we not be the same. May we not be the same as when we walked in. And Father, may your Holy Spirit knock even louder on our hearts. So Father, some in this room today just need to place their trust in you. Father, because they believe that you are the Son of God and that you died and you rose again. Father, I do pray that they'll just say today they believe. And Father, it will result in a radically normal faith. And Father, I pray for those who just need to look at you again. They've taken their eyes off of you. Father, today I pray, God, that they would hear you say, come to me. And they would see in their mind's eye that you're reaching out to them with your hand and you will hold them by the hand as they do whatever it is that you called us to do. So, Father, in all these things, you be glorified. You be glorified, and may it result in people taking notice of Jesus. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.